Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 14. When one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. And sent his servant at the supper time to say to them that were bidden come, for all things are now ready. And when they were all with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, began, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of the, those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And that's where we'll stop reading right there. And I want to say exactly the words that the Lord would give me and nothing else. But uh, this little thought come to me. What excuse will you give Jesus? We've lived to a day today where the church doesn't seem very important to most people. Amen. Uh, it's something to do if there's nothing else to do. It's something to, to do to remain in good standing with my family. Or it's something to, to do to look good to my neighbors or to my community. But it seemed like it doesn't take hardly anything. And I know we went through it. We've gone going through a time like we've never had before where this virus is raging and people are afraid of it. But it seems like now that the worst of this is past. People have lost interest. Amen. Yeah. And just anything that they can come by, and Lord, help me to say exactly what you'd have me to say. Just anything, any reason is justified not to come to the house of God. Just any, anything is okay and, and I know the Bible tells us not to judge and that's not my place. I just want to love people. That's the only thing that will make a difference in their lives anyway. But I wonder if the things we so easily justify Jesus will be as understanding of it as we are. What excuse will we give Jesus? Here, this, this parable that the Lord gave them, 
He said, a, a certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. The whole purpose of us meeting and opening the doors of the sanctuary is that more would come. Is that more would flee from sin and turn to Jesus. Is that more would, would taste the goodness of the Lord. Is that more would escape hell and have a home in heaven when this life is over. And to hear the testimony of our kindred and acquaintances, of our neighbors, our co-workers, our, our folks that, that, that we run into from day to day, to hear their testimony when and if they're asked, they're going to this place called heaven. But I've heard this statement, and please, Lord, help me. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to be within myself. Is it good enough for the Lord? I just, I just think people have forgotten how good God is. Amen. They have forgotten what's offered in His house. They have forgotten how good it feels when the Lord comes by and He worships with us. And the, and the joy that He gives us. And the peace that He gives us. Amen. How many times have we come in rock bottom? The world has beaten us down. And we just don't feel like we can go on another step. But then we come to the house of God. And somebody says, I'm glad I'm saved. And somebody sings a song with tears of joy flowing down their face. And you feel the spirit, that wheel inside of a wheel beginning to turn. And that fire that's shut up in your bones begin to rise. And you realize how blessed you really are. And the heavy burden you walked in with, you could leave whenever you walked out the door. You thought you were empty and all your last drop when you walked in, but you realized your cup was overflowing before you left. See what we miss? Well, preacher, I can live a good life at home. You sure can, but you can live a better life when you go to church. You can be a lot happier when you go to church. You can have a lot more joy in your life, a lot more peace. You can lay down at night and close your eyes and go to sleep knowing if they don't open in the morning, heaven will be your home. And how do I know that? Because I heard the preacher preach about it at church. Well, that's weird. He bade many. And they all with one consent. And what did he say? Come. It's now ready. I'm 55 years old. Some of you, most of you are older than I am. And the message has been the same, hasn't it? Come. It's now ready. Yeah. Even in 
biblical days, they said there'd be scorners saying, well, it's all things remain the same as it was in the days of our fathers. Yeah, they are. God is still God. Amen. <laughs> and he's still going to send his son back. Yes. Things haven't changed. Men change. Ideas change. Governments change. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He said, I changeth not, thus saith the Lord. If it was like we are, the way I am today might not be good enough tomorrow. If he was like we are, he'd be moody and temperamental, always wanting to move up and have better and do, do different things. But God never changes. You want an example of that? No matter how bad I am or no matter how good I am, God still loves me. Would I have been so wicked? And would I have been so honorary? And when I turned my back on him, he still got mercy and grace for a sinner like me. He doesn't change. So what excuse can I give him that he's going to be okay with? Let's see what they had to say. And they all with one consent Begin to make excuse. The first, and listen folks, you say that's 2,000 plus years ago, Preacher Mike. Would you believe I've heard these excuses? Yes. <laughs> Would you believe that? Would you believe I've heard these excuses since I've been at Dutch Bottoms? <laughs> what they say, Preacher? I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs to go see it, I pray thee have me excused. Now, I don't know this gentleman, and I don't know about his business practices, but before I paid the amount of money that it would cost to buy a piece of property, I believe I'd look at it first. Now, I'm not casting judgment on this man, but I believe if I wanted something that I could benefit from, I believe if I wanted something that I could produce good fruit from, I believe if I wanted something that I could be proud of, I'd ask the Lord to bless it. Amen. And we're better placed to do that and at his house. And I've heard the saints testify before how that they would have been asked maybe to work on a Sunday or to do something on a Sunday or, or they thought they could benefit by doing something other than going to the house of God and it wound up costing them twice as much as it would just to go to church, worship God and get it at the first of the week. I'm here to tell you that church is vital. Church is important. The reason our country was founded was so that men and women could come here and worship freely and we've, and we've forsaken worship. Amen. Amen. 
The Bible says you must be born again. It also says that everything that hath breath, praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. And we sat mute. I'm glad. I'm the sorriest pastor you've ever had. There's no doubt about that. But as long as I'm here, I want you to feel like if the Lord gives you a voice and he nudges your heart and wants you to talk, I want you to talk for him. I want you to sing for him. I want you to lift up his name. This is what Paul said. He said, I must decrease. But he must decrease. And I will decrease. My name is nothing. And and I I noticed as I'm getting older, arthritis, I feel every once in a while in my hands and my feet and things like that. Uh, It's harder to get around than it used to be. I can't run like I did when I was a boy and things of that nature. And my body will continue to go down and down and down until my heart stops, until my lungs start filling with air. And a hundred years from now, nobody will know who Mike Strange is. I must decrease. But he will come back on the clouds of glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He must, must increase. My piece of ground is irrelevant. If the Lord blessed you with it today, he could take it away tomorrow. Ask Job. Yeah. Ask Job. I believe Job had a good attitude about it, don't you? Yes. Job didn't have an excuse. He said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. So I'm sitting here dusty, covered in solar balls, on the side of the road, lost everything I had. I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. Amen. I may go home tonight and my home be burned to the ground. The bricks and the blocks even melted. Nothing remaining. My wife gone. Nothing left. I may go to work in the morning and they'll say, we don't need you anymore. You're done. We're not going to pay you another penny. But I have full intentions. As long as somebody will unlock the door to be here Sunday morning. As long as you'll let me in. If you want me to sit on the back seat, I'll do that. If you you don't want me in the sanctuary, just raise the window. Open the door here where I can look through the storm door. And I'll worship him outside. Because I can say, if I lose everything today, God has still been good to me. And you know what? I'm sure some of you keep up with the news. They're talking about taxing the richest Americans. No doubt they own vast amounts of property and buildings and things all across America. And I own one little old piece of property, and I doubt if it's an acre. 
but we're all going to go to the same place. That's right. We're all going to die. All that's going to matter when my heart stops is whether or not I know Jesus. So my excuse is not going to make it. All right. Let's read on. Another said in verse 19, I have bought five yoke of auction, and I go to prove them, I pray thee, have me excused. Now, I'm not a farmer. The yoke is two, from what I understand. So, ten cows. Right? I bought 10 cows. Oxen are meant to pull things. Pull the plow, I guess you would say. And I don't know the price of beef these days. I'd imagine seven or $800 a cow, maybe. Let's say 700. Ten cows. That'd be seven thousand dollars. Is that good math? I'd pay seven thousand dollars to see one soul saved. Can't be more. Wouldn't you? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, I don't have to pay. Jesus already paid it. So, so what's my little excuse of the, that money I've invested in those oxen when it comes to the price of salvation? My salvation costs way more than five yoke of oxen did. My salvation cost heaven the best it had. So if he paid it all, what little excuse have I got that I can't praise him? Another said in verse 20, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Did you know husbands and wives don't always get along? Even the best of them have words. And if they say they don't, they need to come to the altar. You may disagree with your mate. You may have words with them. But if you're about to cut each other's throat, when church time comes, come on to church. And if you walk through the door so angry you can spit nails, if your heart's where it needs to be by the time the service is over, you'll walk through getting along with about everybody. You see, friends, I believe that you need to honor your mate. I believe you need to love them. I believe you need to take care of them if they need to be a priority. 
Now listen to what I'm about to say. I believe there need to be a priority in your life. I like to have a warm place to sleep at night, food on my table, and I like to flip the switch and the light come on. So therefore I have to work. But when quitting time comes, I get in my car and I drive straight as I can drive from the place I work to the home that we own together over in White Pine. And I, as soon as I get there, I look for Tammy. I want to see her. She makes my day better. She's my wife. And if you want to know how you should treat your husband, how you should treat your wife, read Ephesians, I believe it is, chapter 5. But I said that to say this, she's a priority in my life. But she's not number one. That's right. He is. Amen. Amen. He is. And if I don't put him first, I can't put her second. That's right. I can never do her justice if I don't make him number one in my life. So see, to blame it on your spouse is not an excuse to say, oh, I would do if it wasn't for her. I would do if it wasn't for him. Why don't you just do why don't you just do what God would have you to do and they'll love you in spite of how they feel. What excuse are you going to give Jesus? Now let's move on. I'll be done in just a minute. So when the ones he invited wouldn't come and gave an excuse. Now we could look at this in a broader context. You want to go to the Bible for it? He came to his own. And his own received him not. Now let's get to the but. He told the servant to go out and to bid going up the highways and hedges and compel him to come in. But to them that received the him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, to the blind, the halt, the lame, the poor. I sure were glad he included the poor. Amen. I'd have never made it. Amen. Tell them poor boys they can come on in. Tell those that are wounded, that are blind, that are hauled, that are lame. Tell them they can come in and sit at my table. Remember Mephibosheth. He'd been cast aside down our loading bar. Many, many dry days. 
wishing that he could be at his dad's table again. And David called for him and told him that he'd always be at his table. And whenever it came time to give him his inheritance, there came a little squabble over it. And his servant tried to claim it. And Mephibosheth said, just let him have it as long as I can always be at the king's table. I want to worship him. I want to eat. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. What excuse will you give Jesus? Did you know he's coming back? Preacher, I want to say, Jesus, you will. The biggest drunk in Cock County Lay his eyes on Jesus one day. Amen. You want to put a name to him? We can. He didn't make money in his lifetime, but they've made money off his image. Popcorn sat and made liquor for years. And now they got his recipe and they're selling it and advertising it, making money off of it. I hope he was saved because he's going to see Jesus one day. The biggest adulterer, the biggest liar, the biggest whoremonger, the biggest pedophile. And the littlest sinner. We'll all see Jesus. We'll all see Jesus. I like that song that we sing every once in a while. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout. The victory. Did you know there'll be some people that won't be singing and shouting? There'll be some people that's trying to run away and get from hide herself from his image. They'll run to the rocks and the mountains and beg for the rocks. To fall on them. To die. So they don't have to look at him. Have you ever thought about what it will be like to actually look at him? We read where Moses went up on the mountain and, and looked at him face to face. And the children of Israel didn't see God himself. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three and one. They, Moses saw God. And the children of Israel didn't see God. They saw Moses after he saw God. And his image was so bright that the children of Israel couldn't even stand to look on Moses who had seen God. And they made him wear a veil over his face so they could just stand and be in his presence. I'd like to have so much of God that people couldn't stand to look at me. I'd like to have so much that they looked at me and said, surely that's God's man. Just look at him. He's coming back. And then you know what's going to happen? 
People will give him excuses then as well. Let me tell you what happens whenever you're given excuses. You can tell yourself anything you want to, but it's what's between you and God that matters. You know down deep in your heart if what you're, what you're saying God is pleased with. Don't ask me. I'm not the one to approve that. You better talk to the king. Yeah. You're missing God's blessings when you put an excuse between you and God. You're missing. Now, we're like most churches. Our congregation number is bigger on Sunday morning than it is on Wednesday. Some people missed a blessing one Wednesday night about two year ago, three year ago, something like that, when this little girl knelt down and Jesus saved her soul. Oh, yeah. the joy they could have had in their heart just to see a miracle that God worked on the altar at Dutch Bottoms. But I am sure that somewhere those folks that weren't here on that night made some excuse. Their body was tired. They had to work over. They hadn't bought groceries or mowed the grass. And please don't think that I'm being critical. I'm just telling you your cup could have run over, yeah. but you missed it. You missed the power of God. You missed seeing God. Now listen, we can put it in the newspaper, and I'll be done here in a minute, John. We can run it in a newspaper. Miracles at Dutch Bottoms. And we'd have this whole place packed. Yeah. I could have these deacons run the aisles with the plates. And if people thought that their rheumatism would be healed, why well, they'd put in hundreds of dollars. Yeah. If people thought that their eyes could be touched, they'd have perfect vision, they'd fill the plate to run it over. If they thought that their arthritis, their limbs would move right, they'd fill the plate up. Well, that's nothing to some little boy or girl receiving eternal salvation. We grasp for eternal life through this body and neglect the soul. And men will give excuse on that day. I saw the dead, great and small, stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the Lamb's book of life. And men were judged according to the deeds done in the body. Is that Bible? And there will be men on that day bold enough to say, we've done many 
wonderful works. That's not Mike. I'm not casting judgment. This is out of the King James Version Bible. We've done many wonderful works. You may have started 10 churches. You may have, well, let's get right back to the book. Though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. We've done many wonderful works in your name. Did you have the love of God in your heart? We've cast out demons. You know what those are? Those are excuses for not opening up your heart to salvation. See, folks, it's not what we can do for God. It's what he can do for us. I sing a song every once in a while, and I know I'm the world's worst singer. It says, I owe it all to you, Lord. All I have is yours, Lord. Take my life. It's not mine anyway. Take my life and make me what you'd have me be. I'm your child and you're the father. I'm the clay. Used to think I wanted to be a music teacher until I found out you couldn't get a job doing that. That paid. I used to think I'd go to Georgia Tech and I'd learn all about electronics and and do that. That wasn't what God wanted me to do. When I was a senior in high school, I'm going to tell this. You know how they do the superlatives. Most likely to. I wouldn't the most likely to succeed. I wouldn't the most athletic. You know what they pinned on me? I was the most likely to be a preacher. And I said that'll never happen. <laughs> It wasn't my plan, but that was God's plan. My excuses, and I found this out firsthand. Later when he come by, I said, I can't do that. (laughs) He said, yes, you can. I said, Lord, I stumble and stammer around. He said, I'll give you what you need. I said, I can't. And he said, do you remember the promise you made me? When your daddy was rolled through the emergency room doors, they said, tell him goodbye. You told me you'd do anything. 
This is your guinea pig. What could I say? Because I told him, Marty. I crawled up on a big wooden crate about three foot high. I'd worked all night long. I was so tired. I pulled my knees to my chest and I bowed my head and I prayed. They told us to tell him bye. That he might not come out there anymore. And I said, Lord, if you'll give me a few more years with him, I'll do anything. What was running between these ears, Bobby? He knew. Mm-hmm. I didn't, but he did. Mm-hmm. My excuses wasn't going to cut it. He kept his promise. He gave me 35 Amen. more years with him. I'd say he kept his end of the bargain. Yeah. Lord, help me to keep mine. You want to know what excuse is going to work? Thou art inexcusable, old man. He made us. We need to worship the creator more than the creature. We need to put him first. The home that we live in, it's because he blessed us with it. Well, preacher, I earned that with the health and strength and the knowledge that he gave you to earn it. The family that you sat down with and ate supper tonight, he gave that to you. Here's your wife. Peggy, here's your husband. You know God put you all together. Amen. He put you all together. Johnny and Cookie, the Lord put you all together. Yes. So you need to just thank the Lord for the home that he gave you. Amen. Your car might not be the best. Mine's about to turn 200,000. The upholstery's cracked. It rattles. But it's not failed to get me where I'm going yet. So I'll just thank him for that. I don't have an excuse. Has he ever told you to do anything? And you said, now, Lord, Lord, if it's your will, boy, I have. I stood right on the altar and told him that. Yeah. If it's your will, Lord, I used to be bad for it. Let so-and-so sing a song. And you know what happened next? Here they'd go, very song that I thought of. Never told a soul, never mentioned it. The Lord took care of it. Lord, if that's you, let such and such testify. And it wouldn't be 30 seconds. Here they'd go. Uh-huh. And then still me doubt. It's just, when are we going to quit giving God, when are we going to quit giving the Lord excuses 
and just worship him. Because here's what happens from those excuses. I wonder if that man that had the piece of land, I wonder if that man that bought the oxen, I wonder if that man that had the wife had children. And they never got invited again. The Bible says this, no man liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. As long as my boys were home, when Sunday rolled around, they went to church. Until they got out and grown and on their own. And if I thought I could go to their house and say, come on, it's time for church, and they'd go, I'd go, Johnny. Yeah. things we put before the Lord are just temporal. The things that we place importance on, God thinks very little of. Preacher, I've got to work. And you know what happens the day you die? The advertisement to replace you will go up before your obituary day. Preacher, I've got to mow grass. If you can mow it today, you can mow it tomorrow. <clears throat> See, friends, the Lord needs to be first. Amen. No matter what we do. And you know what I do? How often I put myself first. How often I put how I feel and what I want to do in front of God. And how many times I make a failure and a mess when I do that. Let me tell you this. I know it's getting late. We'll get out of here in just a second. When I was at Round Mountain, and I've told this before, I went up to visit someone that was sick. And I did that. Actually, it was a, it was a church member. I paid them a visit, and I started back toward the house, and I was up there we're in Parentsville at the fire department where 340 comes out. And the Lord said, go see this man. And I thought, Lord, that wasn't what my plan was. He said, go see the man. And so I turned right there and went down 340, Pulled up in his yard and he opened the door and there's a big smile on his face and he had been sick as well. He was 72. And we sat down in his living room on his couch and he told me about all the surgeries he had had and all the sickness he'd been through. Talked for a good 10, 15 minutes. And then I said what the Lord told me to say. I called his name and I said, have you ever thought about being saved? And he stopped. Big tears welled up in his eyes. He said, I sure have. I said, you want to be saved right now? He said, I sure do. We called his niece. His niece was a piano player around the mountain. She was right across the road. We called his niece over. 
We all got down on the edge of that brown couch. And when we got done praying, big tears was rolling off his face. He stood up. He raised his fist in the air. He said, this is a great day. A great day. Now, if I had made my excuse and said, Lord, I don't have time, that man might have split hell wide open. If I had stayed with my excuse and said, Lord, I really don't want to, that man might have died and had to spend eternity in a lake of fire. Now, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying what you do matters for God. And our excuses don't. So any excuse we've got to give to the Lord is irrelevant. We need to serve the Lord always, 24-7. You know and I know it's easy to get in our flesh, to get in our head, to do the things we think and to hear things that aren't true. Satan will twist and turn people's words and he'll have you all upset if you listen to him. Just live for the Lord. Be good to everybody and everything will work out. Preacher, that's foolish and simple. Yes, it is, but it works. All right.